If you're here for, uh, with us for the first time this month, we've been talking about sex. We've had sex ed for adults. Um, we've been talking about what this looks like, what God says about sex, what that looks like in our, in, in, in what it means for us. And today's really unique. Today's our fourth week in the series, and we are going to specifically focus on sex ed for married couples. Now, singles, don't worry. We've got you next week, okay? So this week, sex ed for married couples. But singles, I'd encourage you to listen in because I think this is good stuff for us today, all right? Again, I'm really excited to talk about sex, and in, you know, spe- specifically in the way that God created it. Up to this point, we've been talking about how sex is a privilege um, you know, when you get married. So you know, much of the talks the last couple weeks have been, wait till you get married, wait till you get married, wait till you get married. And again, today's really exciting because we get to talk about it in a way that God created. So it doesn't feel so much like, wait, wait, wait. It feels more like, oh, this is how God meant, what God meant to it, what God meant when he created sex. And so as we speak, you know, as we talk about marriage, I'm reminded of my own marriage. And so come this May, uh, I'll be married to my wife, Peng, for 12 years. Uh, when Peng and I decided to get married, we decided um, to have our wedding three weeks before we finished college. I was in my senior year, Peng was in her junior year, in that last year in the midst of finals and papers and all that jazz, we were planning our wedding. Um, we were trying to figure out what to do. And we, we decided to do it three weeks before school ended because a lot of my, out of, uh, a lot of my college friends were out of state. Uh, we wanted them to, to be present at the wedding, and so we had them there. Um, and so we had the wedding three weeks before uh, I graduated. We, we did the wedding. We both went back to school, took finals, finished our projects, came back, and were, you know, enjoyed what it meant to be a husband and wife. Some of my friends looked at me, and they're like, you know, the, the, the weekend after my, um, the, the Monday after my wedding, they're like, what are you doing here at school? I'm like, I still have three weeks of school left. I need to graduate. They're like, aren't you supposed to be with your wife at home? I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to commute hour every, you know, two hours back and forth every day. I only got three weeks left. And so it reminds me of my own marriage. Now, the thing about wedding planning in the midst of school or just wedding and planning in general was that I was so focused on planning for the wedding I had no plans of what I was going to do after my wedding. I had no idea what it meant to be a married man. I didn't even know where we were going to live after we got married. I just assumed my parents would be okay that they were going to open up their house for us. And thankfully they did, but I had had literally zero idea of what it meant to be married after the wedding. For me, the idea of wedding kind of was the same synonymous with, with marriage. I was so wrong. In the same way, I think my, my thoughts and my understanding of sex still stay the same. It was this idea of, you know, like, you know, calling, I know, you know, now you're married, I, you know, you can have sex, but that was it. Prior to that, though, there was all this buildup, don't have sex before marriage, stay pure, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And so it took, you know, I had to, I had to kind of learn and figure out, like, what does this mean now that I'm married? What does this look like? What does this whole sex thing mean? Here's what your thoughts are. For some of our married couples who, who got married, you know, what was your experience like after getting married? Were there any questions, uncertainties about sex? Husbands, did you have any questions about what sex looked like in marriage? What about you, wives? Now, the Bible has plenty to say about sex before marriage, and guess what? It also has plenty to say about sex 
in marriage. And I think it's just as important, if not more important, to talk about what sex looks like in marriage. And so I'm thankful the Bible does this. And so let's dive into the passage that we're going to look at today. And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 to 5. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And this is what it says. And so feel free to read along. I've got it on the slide up there. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 to 5 says this. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's, husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourself more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now to start off, I just want to point this out for all of us. The Bible tells us right here to have sex in marriage with our spouse. I think sometimes before marriage, sex is, at least for me, it's painted in a very icky way, very shameful way. If you have sex before marriage, you know, you're a bad person, you're a wrong person. Um, and then that kind of carries into marriage, or at least it did for me. And so it's, I think, it, you know, Paul just says it straight right here in verse 5, don't deprive each other of sexual relations. Basically, he's saying, hey, you're married, have sex. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but I just want to get that out in the open. Paul's saying, Hey, you're married, have sex. Now let me give you some context of why Paul is writing this. He wrote this to the Christians in the church in Corinth. And this, the, the church in Corinth, they were just, sex, sexual sin was just rampant. We talked a little bit about this last week, but sexual sin was running rampant. People were trying, were doing you know, everything outside of what God planned sex for. So they were just doing everything. And so the Christians in Corinth, they weren't quite sure what to do with sexual sin. And so they sent questions to Paul, asking him how they should go about it. What other concerns was sex in marriage? What did it look like? Because there was so much sexual sin going on. And so while they were waiting for, uh, for Paul to write back for a reply, the Corinthians had concluded that it might be best to stay in marriage, but to not have sex at all, to be celibate. So, you know, I could, you know, I, me being a man, I could have a, a wife, or a wife could have a husband, but it was best not to have sex at all. Some of them would considered having, you know, going through a divorce because they wanted to be right with God. And so that's how they understood what sex was like in the marriage. Just either don't have it at all, or let's get divorced. So Paul wrote back to them and affirmed that sex and marriage was fine, and it was right in the eyes of God. And again, up to this point, many of our conversations highlight that sex is a privilege for married people. This passage takes that understanding and then also directs us to also understand that it is a mutual responsibility for the husband and the wife. It's a mutual responsibility. And Paul says this in verse 3 and 4. So let me read that again for us. Um, so this is, where this, is, this is where he says it's a responsibility. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body. Let me read that again. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. I think the NIV captures this idea of responsibility a little bit better by saying this. And I'm going to reread verse 3, but in, in um, the NIV version. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, 
and likewise his wife to her husband. Now that stopped me in my tracks for a moment this week as I was studying. I was like, sex is a responsibility? Sex is a duty? I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I already have to wash the dishes, take out the trash, check the oil in the car. We're turning sex into a duty, a responsibility? What? But as I went back to reread it, because part of me was like, you can't just be a duty. Because God tells us to enjoy it. God, God gives us pleasure in it. Um, as I read some more, I realized that, again, it's not just a, respons- a responsibility, it's a mutual responsibility. You see, at first I understood that this, husband, fulfill your wife's sexual needs. That's all I heard in reading those three verses. But if we look at it again, it says clearly, clearly that for husbands to fulfill the sexual needs and desires of your wife, and at the same time, wives fulfill the sexual needs and desires of your husband. I know growing in, in, in the Hmong culture, oftentimes it's very much, you know, like you're, you know, to be a good husband, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do that. And then for our wives in, here and our young ladies, I know for you it's really difficult. You grow up being trained to be a, to be a good daughter-in-law. And so it's, it's almost beaten into us, like it's your responsibility, it's your responsibility. And what, what Paul's saying here is that it's, it's, it's both wife and husband. It's both your responsibility. It's not just one doing all the work while the other receives all the pleasure. Both are doing the work and experiencing the pleasure. There's also a mutual belonging to each other. In verse 4, Paul says, The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. This means... We give up the authority to make decisions for ourselves that can prevent our spouse's sexual needs from being met. It's all mutual. We need to be mindful of each other's needs in the marriage. That's what Paul is telling us what sex should look like in marriage. Paul says this to remind us that because sexual intimacy is so essential in marriage, each partner needs to ensure that their spouse's needs are met. The big idea that I want to highlight in this verse is the idea of mutuality. Mutuality is demonstrated in unconditional love and care where the husband and wife understand they have a responsibility to meet each other's needs. And it's not just one person getting their needs met. It's both partners getting their needs met. The last part of this passage talks about the concerns of not experiencing sex in the marriage and how that can be detrimental to the relationship. So in verse 5, Paul says this, Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So there's a point where Paul does say it's okay to refrain from sexual relation. And again, it has to be mutual unless you both agree to it, to refrain from it. Married couples, Paul is saying that we shouldn't be holding back sex from our spouse for any reasons besides consensual agreement for prayer and only for a limited time. Again, it has to be mutual. And after a limited amount of time, married people, 
you're supposed to come back to each other. The fear is, if we keep sex too long from each other, we're going to go look for it somewhere else. Sometimes when marriages aren't mutual, they can feel like contracts. Contracts are conditional and make you feel like, I'll do this for you only if you do that for me. Contracts are based on a mutual distrust and selfish interest. Contracts, you're protecting yourself. Whereas with mutual responsibility, you're looking out for each other. Craig Blumberg says this about, about gives us a little more, um, enlightens a little bit more about this. And so this is what he says. Sex should never be used as a bribe or reward for good behavior or as something to be withheld as a threat or punishment. Husband and wife alike must be sensitive to the emotional and physical state of each other and not insist on sex on demand. But neither should one partner consistently try to get out of satisfying his or her spouse's conjugal needs. The mutual agreement and submission Paul commands here should in fact apply to most all areas of marriage. So here's the big idea that Paul's trying to get us to understand. Sexual mutuality makes marriage marvelous. Sexual mutuality makes marriage marvelous. Now, if you're married, how can mutuality look like, especially with sex? I think it's unique and different for all of us because we all respond to love differently. We all understand it differently. We all receive it differently. A really helpful tool to help you figure this out um, of how you can start understanding what sexual mutuality looks like between you and your spouse is figure out your love language. Love Language is this book that was written by Gary Chapman many years ago, and there's, um, there's a really neat online quiz. It's literally like 10 questions, takes you less than five minutes, and it'll tell you how you understand love, how you receive love. I think that's a great start to figuring out what mutuality can look like in your relationship. Another way to figure out, another way to figure out mutuality in your relationship is to work it out. Mutuality just doesn't happen. Honestly, I kind of wish it did, but it doesn't. It takes work. You're going to have to discover together what it means to experience mutuality between you and your spouse and in your sex life. The work that it's going to require involves talking about it in your marriage. So talk about sexual desires and expectations. What is it that you want from your spouse? What is it that, you want? What is it that they want? Learn about sex. Learn what your spouse wants. Negotiate any differences so that you can both experience satisfaction in sexual life. And expect change. Expect to grow your knowledge and experience of sex, mutuality, of knowing each other. Now, like I said at the beginning, although much of our studies of Scripture today focus on mutuality in marriage, I think we all can take the concept of being mutual to one another Imply, imply it in the place that God has put us in. We could see so many powerful results if there's a sense of just simply mutual care for each other. That I'm looking out for you, you're looking out for me. Imagine if we committed to these things every day of meeting someone's needs while others met our needs. Imagine the hope, the healing, the growth that the world could experience if we all could experience what it feels like to be mutually cared for.